Ortho Carolina understands pain is different for everyone, whether you suffered an injury on the field or everyday life. The orthopedic specialists at Ortho Carolina want to help you get pain free, all in one place. Same day appointments available, no referral needed, high quality and low cost MRIs with five convenient area locations, and orthopedic urgent care in Winston Salem and Kernersville. Ortho Carolina, you improved. OrthoCarolina.com. Again, that's OrthoCarolina.com. This is Twin City Talks, powered by Ortho Carolina. Here's your host, Paul Garber. It's the Thanksgiving season. Time for turkey, pumpkin pie, and reliving one of the greatest fictional radio promotions in history. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. (laughs) That is, of course, the famous scene from a 1978 episode of WKRP in Cincinnati, where a secret promotion led to turkeys being airdropped onto the city below. Crazy as that sounds, it was about standard for the -the over-the-top radio promotions for its time. Promotions are tamer now, but we're going to relive some of those great moments, adventures and misadventures, and I'm here with some of the people who went through that and lived it and brought it to you, the good guys from WTOB. I'm going to ask you all to introduce yourself to our our audience, and we're really looking forward to hearing some of the stories about those old promotions, but Steve, I'm going to start with you. All right. I'm Steve Finnegan. been in the triad since 1980 and have seen some things in my day. I'm Willie Edwards unless this program causes us to be prosecuted. Um, I'm in the witness protection program. So no, I'm Bob Campbell, uh, and I was the morning guy and program director at the old Magic 94.1 and Hits 94 and a talk show host at WSJS. I'm Leanne Petty. I have been in the triad since 1983 and have been on more radio stations than I care to count. I'm Richard Miller. I'm one of the principals of WTOB and uh, been in radio since about 1979. So great. And I know you all have some fantastic memories of things that you all did to to bring attention to your uh, stations. And why don't we look at that? Why did things get so crazy back then? Why were these promotions so much different than they are now, do you think? Wanted people to listen and give them a chance to tune into your radio station as opposed to someone else's. Competition was virulent and at times violent in those days. Radio stations were each owned by different people, and everyone was willing to step on the throat of the guy next door to win. This was a day when radio was a part of people's lives. They listened to radio because we were friends, and we had to do something to entertain them. And like Bob says, we had to do it better than the guy across the street. Okay, so let's start talking about what you did to get that attention. Who's got, who's got a favorite promotion that they can remember that they want to go with that you look back now and think, wow, that was different? <laughs> I think living on a billboard. Lived on a billboard for eight and a half days. It was uh, 1986. You did that? Or? I did that to try and promote the change of format of Z93 at the time. So the billboard in the Hawthorne Curve and went up there. It was a gorgeous morning. And plants, and I was sent to the billboard as punishment for taking over the radio station because they had refused to let me play in the station softball game because I had been late a couple of times. So as instead of firing me, we're gonna make you live on the billboard for a while. Uh, also ended the drought that summer because it rained for seven out of the eight and a half days. <laughs> okay, so so this was eighty six. Eighty six, and it was a summer. It was it was early summer, early summer. 
and had people coming by. Had some guy who had uh, taken like masking tape and put my name on his car, the top of his car, and he would drive back and forth and honk. Had like 60 people that actually signed waivers to climb up and visit the billboard, which scared the daylights out of me the first time I went up on that thing. But after a few days, I was climbing around like a monkey, and it was uh, <laughs> interesting. I got served breakfast that I'd bring up in a basket every day, every meal. It was really nice. So you lived out there 24-7? 24-7, okay. doing my radio show from the billboard. And how much room did you have up there? Uh, well, the billboard was a double-sided billboard, so they had built me a deck in between the billboards. So it was, you know, like an 8 by 10 foot space. It was nice. But on the catwalks outside, they had set up like a little pup tent on a piece of plywood sticking out over the edge to give the impression that that's where I slept. But How did you go to the bathroom? We had a nice little uh, public camper <laughs> toilet there. Very carefully. There was a, a bag of water with a shower head that would heat up in the oh. sunshine so I could, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was an interesting wow. toilet. I think they rent that space now. It's <laughs> now, it's the same thing, very similar promotion. They hung me right across the street from that billboard at Cloverdale Ford in a crane over I-40 in a Ford Galaxy. And yeah. that's fun. I don't know why we was what? calling promotion to the sale of the Ford, the Ford, big Ford sale at Cloverdale. But what they didn't tell me is every 20 minutes, the hydraulic system would equalize, and the car would drop six inches suddenly. Well, I got acrophobia to begin with. So after that first drop and the, and the assurance that it was going to do it again in, in 20 minutes, I told them to bring me down. But I had to ride it out. And that's the kind of things we did. Yeah, billboards, eh. <laughs> what? Well, what, what was what was if you could pick one moment from that time uh, up there on the billboard what 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 do you remember most about it actually my favorite meal i can't remember the restaurant but it was one of the high-end restaurants in town so it was like roast beef and these lovely potatoes and even included a bottle of wine which i'm not sure was a great idea 60 feet off the ground but yeah and when i was Coming down off the billboard, they had brought the fire department out with one of those rescue baskets, you know, like they're taking you off of the hillside or something. And they had, I had a phone with me so I could broadcast my descent. About halfway down, guys in the fire department said, hey, watch this. And like Willie, they dropped me about three feet real quick. I'm not sure what I said on the air at that time. Uh, and thankfully, there's no recordings of it left existing that I'm aware of. Okay, and so similarly, you're up in uh, you're up in the in this car, yeah, um, where you can be where it's visible from that that oh yeah right over driveway. forty right over forty. And this was in the time before what what year was this? This would have been seventy five. Seventy five. Okay, so yeah. there's no main forty. There's only what we know as business forty. That right, is right. the 40. that was forty. Yeah, and and for folks who don't know, um, Cloverdale Ford would be in the area where um, Whole Foods is now. Yes. Um, and yes. Uh, the Com bottom of the hill. Comp Rehab. Com right. The Wake Forest Comp Rehab. Yes. So, and so when they first told you you were going to go up in this car. I didn't believe them. And I was program director, so I'm deciding which one of my staff I'm going to assign. Nobody. Nobody. So the sales department and the general management got on the stage and says, you're going. And I laughed, and next thing I know, I'm hanging over, swinging over I-40 in the breeze. For how long? You know, I think it was a four-hour remote, which is way too long. Because I'm not real fond of heights to begin with. 
Okay. Nice so you're, car. You're broadcasting it was a nice from car. Though. Yeah. Inside broadcasting the car. from inside the car. Right. When you started, it was a nice car. Yeah, it was started. Yeah, it was real nice. They cleaned it out when they got it down. It was exciting. It was, but that's what we had to do. That's what you did. And people expected to see stuff like that. Oh, it must be the radio station. You get their attention. You do something to get their attention. And then they realize, or they're listening, and they don't believe you until they go see it. And that's what it was for. Uh, I had another promotion in Lexington, another radio station, Q94, country station. We gave away a boat. And we had a very elaborate giveaway. You qualified. Then you met us at Tamarack Marina on High Rock Lake. And the bottom of this boat we covered with several hundred cans of cheer wine. One of the cans had the winning whatever. And we had it planned. We had country artists to play all afternoon of uh, skits. For each person that pulled, we'd do something. And um, it was a whole full afternoon of live broadcast. Each time someone pulled something, we would do something. Well, first contestant comes up, reaches way in the boat, and pulls the winning can. <laughs> oh. It was over. Show's over. All these people had made this big investment, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the public loved it. Everybody goes, hey, great, free hot dog, I'm out of here. Our show was over. Okay. Well, as long as you're on the vehicle uh, tack, uh, in Oklahoma City, we had four people live in a car for three weeks uh, at the Oklahoma State Fair uh, on display with our broadcast uh, booth. And for the entire three weeks, they had to be in it. They were allowed 10 minutes every two hours to get out and do whatever they needed to do. They had to eat all of their meals inside the car. Everything that went inside the car had to stay inside the car. And at the end, the last person in it won the car. And that means every time people would come by and throw trash in the car and it would have to stay in there, uh, we'd feed them pizzas. The box had to stay in the car. <laughs> by the end of three weeks, there were still two people in the car, and the smell was overwhelming. People would walk around it. And it's, it's the Oklahoma State Fair. There's 50,000 people there every day, and they're walking by this car. And, and people are screaming at it. And uh, in the end, now, we would... We did a drawing for the winner, and the, the other person got nothing. I think we might have given them some concert tickets just to be nice. And a T-shirt. And they did detail the car and totally clean it, and uh, they got that car. But uh, I don't think you could have paid me to be in it after those three weeks. Mm. <laughs> we got a car. Leanne, when the uh, uh, station first came on the air, and I think you were at uh, MAG mm -hmm. when they gave away the Rolls Royce. That was the first big promotion that it MAG was the biggest did. promotion. It was, was yeah. nineteen eighty-five was or eighty-three. No, it was way before. Yeah, it was eighty-three because that. that was the year we came on the air. But I, they came on the air. It was a mm -hmm. fantastic promotion. Everybody wanted to win that Rolls Royce. I went through the Burger King drive-through on High Rolls Point Road mm -hmm. in that Rolls Royce. Well, what happened was. <laughs> They gave the car away. A lady won. It was a spectacular promotion, mm -hmm. except they didn't have disclaimers back then that you had to pay the tax title and mm -hmm. tags, and the uh -huh. lady couldn't afford it. For a Rolls so, Royce, I'd right. Our station, and it was an old Rolls Royce. It was, it was a classic. Yeah. 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 Some, so yeah. our station made a big deal. We paid her taxes so she could get the car. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're saying. 
A same station? Or no, no, two different two stations. stations. Yeah. Did y'all work together? No. Was it, that was your no. own promo, though. Yeah. Right. Our promo was, we're going to help you get that car. This right. Is, this is right. why now there are radio stations in their rules that say you may not work for another yeah. radio station yeah. and win our contest. I got one mm-hmm. more car story. You'll get a kick out of this one. Sure. I can't think of the name of it. This was in the uh, mid to early 70s. We gave away a Corvette. And it was a great American sweep Corvette sweepstakes or something. It was a big deal. The Corvette came from the regional Corvette club. It was a car that members of the club donated parts to build. So every part on this Corvette, and it was considered a classic, was from a different year. And it was a big deal. Once again, everybody wanted to register to win. Well, we took it to live broadcast. One of our broadcasts was the 7th, with Belk used to open at 7 a.m. for their special promotions. We rolled the car into Belk, parked it beside the Clinique counter. I, I'm, I, I was at the station. The crew was there. The Hainsmall Belk or which Belk was it? I think it was uh, Four Seasons. Four Seasons. No, no, not Four Seasons. Uh, friendly? friendly? Friendly. That's where it was. Friendly. That's how old it was. And we got a call from the manager of Belk screaming. People were slipping and sliding at the cosmetics counter. On the oil leaking out of the, out of the <laughs> Corvette. Oh, we heard about that for years. That's you know, car. We do a lot with cars. Yeah. 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 No, well, where did the where did the Rolls Royce come from? Did y'all just pony up the money to buy this because you knew it was going to pay off in terms of publicity? I believe so. Yeah. Lyle's Lyle's Chevrolet, and there was a Rolls Royce dealership right there on North Main Street, right? He owned it right next door. Yeah, and and they got the classic Rolls Royce for us, and of course it was it was the early mid '80s when everybody was rolling in money, especially radio stations, (laughs) and that had a lot to do with the outrageousness of the promotions too. And when WMAG came on the air in 1983, they were going to do it bigger and better than anybody had ever seen before and that basically meant there is no limit to what we will spend what we will give away um you know willie said had the story about the rolls royce i think right after that the next promotion was well what's bigger than a car a house we gave away a house in adams farm in greensboro and a gentleman from west virginia and his family won it and i think ran into a similar situation where they couldn't afford to pay the taxes <laughs> on the house um that was when adams farm was a brand new neighborhood um and we did gosh we did the uh i think it was called the million dollar minute which was on stage at the old center theater in downtown high point which is now a furniture showroom but um it had been renovated and we did that basically had a pile of cash up on the stage and the contestant had, you know, we, when we did the reverse raffle to get, you know, fortunately it didn't wind up like Willie's story with the first person <laughs> getting to be the, the, the contestant. But this lady won and she had the chance to grab as much cash in one minute as she possibly could. And all of these contests that involved great value were insured so that, you know, they knew they did had some actuary sitting somewhere about how much the average person could probably grab or you know what it was worth so all of these promotions were insured well this lady gets up there and they count down she goes for it dives in starts getting all the money well the djs got so excited for her that some of them who i will not embarrass here um decided to help and the general manager is standing over on the side of the stage going no no (laughs) <laughs> we're not insured for that because it was all these different denominations you know from ones all the way up to hundred dollar bills and oh it was 
One more that, car. That was embarrassing. We Go gave away it. an AMC Pacer when it first came out. Oh. And nobody oh. registered. Oh. Nobody wanted it. Oh. I don't remember who took oh. it and goes, are you oh. sure? Is there anything else you can give me? <laughs> no. you gotta have you got to have the Pacer. That, that, hmm, good time. Well, the other side of that is the small things, just to make an impression. Uh, during the Iranian oil crisis station I was at in Virginia, gave away small little canisters of crude oil just because, you know, well, there's a gas shortage. We'll give you some oil if you can figure out how to turn it into gas. And when Mount St. Helens blew up, they hooked up with some radio station to have them send a coffee can of volcanic ash. And they packaged it in a little plastic can bags, and we were giving away volcanic yeah. ash. Now, the thing about that is that's a very fine product. And after about a week, it was all over the radio station. <laughs> Let me ask you, Leanne, uh, before, we, before we move off that, um, you actually got to get into this Rolls Royce. Yes. Uh, was that sweet? or? What? It was really, really nice. I just remember how big the thing was on the inside. And uh, a bunch of us had been out to do a promotion with the car. And it was late at night, and we were hungry. And we are like, hey, let's just roll through the Burger King over here. And, well, of course. You know, on High Point Road, now Gate City Boulevard. Um, so we go through there, order our, I think, gosh, I think Bill Flynn and Rod Davis may have been in there if Rod was with us at the time. It was a long time ago. But anyway, so we pull up, and the nose on this thing is like a mile long. So the car starts rolling up. It's almost like a cartoon. And we finally get up to the, the window, and the girl's just, okay, it'll be $5 or whatever. And she, then she looks at the car, and she's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but we just thought that that was a whole lot of fun, just going, we'll go to the Burger King in the Rolls Royce, yeah. That was kind of fun maneuvering that through the drive-through in the first place. Okay, I was not driving. <laughs> right. Well, hearing these kind of various stories about how how different things were, what kind of person did it take to come up with these ideas? <laughs> crazy, crazy people. <laughs> like, remember, it was the eighties. <laughs> yeah, and basically anything went. I mean, the the owners back then, uh, you know, as as these guys were saying earlier. You didn't have the clear channels and all of the big conglomerates then. All the stations were independently owned, and it was a matter of who had the deepest pockets. A sign of success, back to the original premise of WKRP's I didn't know the turkeys couldn't fly, uh, of things that go wrong. And it got to the point when things went wrong, you kind of wanted them to because you'd get press. For example, I'm the oldest, so I guess I know the oldest promotion. When I first came to Winston-Salem, we had a promotion called Mr. Treasure. Mr. Treasure would come on the air throughout the day and give clues where the treasure was buried. It was a capsule with certificates in it. And at the end of the first week, the city of Winston-Salem Recreation Department called. You've got to stop this right away. Why? People are disassembling things on the playground, tearing up stuff at the tennis courts, oh, wow. looking for that silly treasure. <laughs> So we had to have a disclaimer saying it's not a real treasure, it's in a can, and it's up high somewhere. It was in a tree. But we, we, there's been several instances of things like that where people uh, were looking for a, a solid item and would tear up property looking for it. Okay, so everything turned into a scene from it's a mad, 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 mad world, yes. basically. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But the listener took these contests seriously. And over the years, toward the 90s, Bob, I would say, 
what happened was you had the same people winning all the contests. Was it the phone system? And the prizes got smaller, but you wanted them to be involved. We love you. We're going to give you tickets to this, to that. And, and the contest changed. Plus, the government kind of stepped in and kind of said, hey, 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 y'all, we can't tear up stuff anymore. We've got to be a little more careful. Well, how'd they do that? In, in what way did they do that? Did it, did it get it regulated? Mm-hmm. How so? Um, there were dis- you had to do the disclaimers. The Joe Namath pantyhose commercial. Do you remember that? Joe Namath no. sold pantyhose. And the shot was uh, the camera went, started at the toes and went up this beautiful pair of legs. And then it panned up, and it was Joe Namath. And he goes, if I look that good, in them, think how good you're going to look at them. Well, that started the regulation. Because, by the way, that was produced in Winston-Salem. Long Haynes and Carr. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, well, because they had legs here. They had legs. They could get Joe Namath's legs here. Uh, that if you endorsed a product, you had to use it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, now hunters are probably the only people wearing pantyhose now. But, yeah, over the years, people said, look, we need a little more protection. We need more disclaimers. Uh, we can't do anything to endanger property. There are three things that constitute a lottery, and you can't do a lottery. Uh, so we ended up having a higher prom- – Bob had some of the best promotion people working for him. These were professionals who had to be part lawyer, part technician. Uh, they had to do everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now the stations now have teams – Promotion teams, A and B, and they're going everywhere to set up live broadcasts, to do a promotion, to do a giveaway. So it's a different world. Okay. So back in the day, we, we know that cars sold, you know, that they sold your message. What else worked? What else, what else kind of balloons. appealed? Balloons. Hot air balloons. Yep. yep. Uh, in Birmingham, Alabama in 1987, I was doing a morning show there, and this was to sell... Cell phones, 1987. The Miami Vice kind of looked like a walkie-talkie cell phone. Uh, oh yeah, these are so good. We could do them from a. We could use these from a hot air balloon. This is 1987 cell phones. So, at six o'clock in the morning, as the sun rises, we're sitting in a hot air balloon. Uh, as soon as the sun got above the horizon, they let us go because the wind was blowing toward downtown Birmingham. We rose about three, four thousand feet up and. Which, if you've ever been in a hot air balloon, it's a wonderful ride. Oh, yes. Um, but we, we, we're floating towards downtown Birmingham, and we're doing the show on these, on these cell phones. And uh, I won't say that anything went wrong in this, but uh, at, at the end we found out an interesting thing about how hot air balloons land. But we, we went right through downtown Birmingham. We, we lowered down a little bit, and uh, the tallest building in town was about a 25, 26-story skyscraper we're just above that and people were waving to us from the windows and we we go uh, east of town toward atlanta and we're looking for a place to land um and uh we're running out of places to land because once you get outside of birmingham in 1987 to atlanta it was nothing but pine forest and interstates i-20 so uh, the pilot is going well I tell you what, I don't know what we're going to do here. We we dropped down just over top of a neighborhood. We're at treetop level, and he said, "No, we can't do it here." So he pops a hot air balloon up a little bit more, and there's a golf course. He says, "We're going to land on a fairway," 
And the interesting part was there was a fairway, line of trees, fairway, line of trees, fairway, line of trees. He said, we, we went down, we missed a fairway, we just, we scraped through the trees because he didn't want to run us into the trees. And he finally says, okay, we're going to come down a little hard. Everybody climb up in the rigging. It's me, my morning show partner, and the pilot. And I found out that hot air balloons land by crashing. And nobody Control. was hurt, but we slammed down on that fairway, and it's dragging along. He's dumping uh, hot air out of the balloon as fast as he can so it doesn't go into the trees. And we were all fine, but my morning show partner and I were looking at each other like, did you get the wheel ready? No, I, I, I'm not ready. <laughs> So you should have made him go a little further to Augusta National. But did, did you well, not know that there wasn't a destination point where you were to disembark or what? It goes where the wind goes. It goes where the wind goes. He, he was hoping to go uh, near Legion Field, the football field in downtown uh, Birmingham, and <laughs> we never got close to it. <laughs> that answers a, a good point on a question you asked earlier. Liability insurance has gone out of sight for these promotions, both for the uh, staff and for the contestants. And the other thing is OSHA law. There's no way they'd let Steve stay on that thing. The billboard, the, yeah. The billboard for that. And moment. I had people that came up and visited and we had them sign a little waiver that if I die from this billboard, the radio station is not responsible. Plus, at, at, in, the, in the old days, staff, you were salaried. You weren't paid by the hour. And if it took 120 hours to do a station promotion, that was it. Can't so you didn't get OT for staying out there? No, no. Or you whipping the car? Oh, no, no, right. No. Yeah. Do you pay the fallen? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved eight and a half days of overtime. That would have been nice. Yeah. And, and this was actually in 2001, but it went a little bit higher than the hot air balloon. Um, we gave away a skydive. We gave, gave away a skydiving trip. And it was the morning show guys and a winner. And our promoter, by now we had full time promotion guys, as used. But four of us went on a skydiving trip. Uh, this was in Cleveland. And I don't know what the guy signed. We didn't sign anything. We were, I was under contract. It didn't matter. Um, the winner signed something. And this was a tandem jump where we, had a, we were attached to a, a, another person. But we take off in the airplane, and it's one of these twin otters that you see are big skydiving planes. It's about 20 people on it. Everybody's an experienced skydiver except us. As the plane takes off from a field outside of Cleveland uh, near Lake Erie, a guy in the front goes, we're all going to die. <laughs> uh, my morning show partner, a dear woman I love to this day, had tears rolling down her face. I'm terrified of heights. Um, and then the guy pauses and pauses, and he goes, someday. And everybody laughs except us. We're looking at each other like, well, you got the wheel again? And we went up to 13,500 feet. And they opened like a, a miniature garage door in the plane, and people started jumping out. We're the last ones. The door's up in the front. We're the last ones to go out. And you watch cartoons. You, like, you see an old coyote or roadrunner cartoon, and somebody jumps out of an airplane, and they're running in the air, and they're trying to get back. And it's, That's not what it's like in real life. <laughs> it's like you disappear. One step, boom, you're gone. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. One, boom. And we're kind of waddling up toward the door, and boom. And by the time we got there, I thought, well, what the heck? We took that one step, and the plane's gone. The plane's going about 125 miles an hour. Instantly, you're falling at about 125 miles an hour. It's gone. And so you want to know the ultimate in commitment? 
you are not getting back on that airplane. <laughs> and it, and the rest of it, it was wonderful. We, uh, we free fell for 60 seconds. And you're 13,000 feet up and you're going and, and I'm looking down and, and, and it's hard to tell. You just feel like you're standing in front of a, a very powerful fan because you can't, when you're that high up, you can't see that you're getting closer to the ground. You can't notice that change until you're below 5,000 feet. So we learned that day. But it was, we're looking down, me and my, the jump master I'm attached to, and I see these clouds way, way down below me. And I, whoa, those clouds are way, whoa! And we were past them. Uh, and then once the um, parachute opens, it's, it's like a hot air balloon. You're with the wind. It's perfectly quiet. We're, we're talking all the way down. You, we can see downtown Cleveland and, and Lake Erie. And then we, we come in, and it's, it's a, the, the guy's an expert. He goes, we're going we're gonna to come in, and uh, I, don't want you to, I just want you to lift your feet up. We'll go in like sliding into second base. And we did. But the adrenaline rush is so much that immediately, as soon as we're detached, you jump up and you go, oh! <laughs> and, and the word you use is not one we can use here. <laughs> but all four of us did that. You could hear us. We were, we were all, oh, <laughs> and uh, it was it was a fantastic thing, and I wanted to go right again then. After you cleaned your drawers. Out. Yes, but now I would not want to do it again. I can almost hear the words, as God is my witness, I thought the parachute would open. <laughs> well, I, well, I have one more way up in the air thing. Okay. Uh, I got to fly the Goodyear blimp. Really? Okay. And this was prior to 9-11. Nobody okay. can do this anymore. Uh, and we, we took off uh, from Akron. Uh, where they have the giant hangar where the Goodyear blimps are kept. The hangar is so big that it develops its own weather in there. It's, it's so high and so large that uh, it, uh, it rains inside the, the hangar. But wow. we got up in the air, and they let me take the controls. And they're really simple to fly. <laughs> but they don't like it when you stand it on its nose at 1,500 feet. And... Uh, I was looking at something, and I, you have a wheel that turns it up and down. I just kept going like this, and we were going over, and I said, could you, could you level us back out again there, Bob? And, and I did, but that, was, that was extraordinary. That was so much fun. We're flying all over uh, the Akron area on this thing, doing the show live from there, and we, got a, we go over a high school uh, football field where they're out practicing, and they're all waving up at us. Um, I'm surprised I'm still alive after all those times up in the, up in the air. Something left for you to do. Yeah, there you go. I was running out. You're listening to the Twin City Talks podcast, a production of the Winston-Salem Journal and sponsored by Ortho Carolina. To hear more, visit TwinCityTalks.com. Well, when y'all were doing these things, how did doing the promotions compare to being on the air on your, on your, on your regular kind of chip playing music and, and talking to the audience? What, what did, was there one that you preferred over the other, or were, th were they both a good part of the job, or did you hate one? Being on the air was the best. Doing the promotions was usually very nice because they were short, and if you were in a precarious situation, it wasn't going to last long. But getting in and be able to talk to people and just relate – have them call, meet them out on promotions, and that's just the best there is. Yeah, on the air, you're one-on-one. -on -one. You're talking to one person, that one listener. Out and about, you get to see those listeners, and, and it's all about them, really. And they're there to, to, for you to entertain them. Uh, it's, a, it's a little different, but yeah, both of them are great.
And in the studio, which, I mean, I love doing stunts and promotions, but there are so many variables outside the studio that you have no control over. And if you're a radio air personality or television personality, you are a control freak. It's part of the job. In the studio, I could control everything. I could control every sound, every volume, every level, everything. When, when you're outside in an air, in a hot air balloon or wherever you may be, there's so many things you don't control. And so being in the studio is more satisfying, but it's way fun to do the stunts. I did talking to people, talking on the air, doing a fair ride. Oh, Lord. While, while it was going on? Yes. So tell me about yes, that. Yes, I did that at the Dixie Classic Fair, uh, getting on some of the rides and just and calling in and, and doing it. I th- I did the Ferris wheel and oh. also did the uh, oh, that's the Himalaya. A ride I did there. the Himalaya. I did that, the Himalaya. That had to be crazy though in the Himalaya because that thing is. Flying. Well, you're holding on to the you're holding on to what you're talking in. And well, what in the world were you on. talking about while you were going? Around? We were just uh, talking about the experience of. Uh, well, uh, we like this ride here. This is a great ride, to, uh, the Himalaya at the uh, Dixie Classic Fair. Uh, everybody ought to get on this. And you're like, I can't wait till this thing stops. And then it's even worse when they go backwards. <laughs> I got one more what went wrong story. Lay it on us. Got your finger on the button, just in case. <laughs> there was a rock, famous rock station in the triad. It came on the air in the mid to late 70s. I was the first account executive they hired, and our job was to show people how we were different. Well, there was an old cotton mill off Merritt Drive in Spring Garden, and that's all I'll say, that needed attention. They, people didn't know they were there. Well, Bob Seeger was coming to town. You may remember this. We had tickets. We were a promoter of it. And the contest was, what would you do for your Bob Seeger tickets in the parking lot of this shopping center? There's a can of worms. Okay. All right. And, and, and the people that own this and manage this shopping center are very conservative, good, outstanding citizens of the community. And I was involved. So, <laughs> except for me, and so on the appointed time, one o'clock a Saturday afternoon, everybody lined up in the parking lot. I mean, it was a long line of people that were going to do something. For, they were singers, they were dancers. Well, at the allotted time, all of a sudden, a tractor trailer pulls up and it's painted on the side. Give me my bot. They stole the tractor trailer. Give me my Bob Seger tickets. <laughs> okay, that's one contestant. There was a team of, I don't know who they were, a gentleman that climbed up the side of this three-story building and dropped this gigantic banner that covered up the entrance to the building. Give us <laughs> our Bob Seger tickets. And the most and some friends of mine, I had friends at, at WFMY Channel 2, showed up to video this. And they're standing beside me, cameras rolling. And I'm going down the line saying, you know, I'm going to be prosecuted at this point. And this fellow showed up, and he had two blonde lady friends standing with him. We, and, and, and our guy says, what are you going to do for Bob Seger tickets? They both pull up their shirts, and it's written, give me my Bob Seger, <laughs> as the guy from Channel 2 is going right down the line. And Hello. yet we were banned from the property. <laughs> I can no longer set foot in that parking lot. But we made the news. <laughs> guess, Successful promotion. I lost the account. The but, well, <laughs> Did they win the tickets? Well, I think we had to get more tickets. <laughs> well, that that kind of goes to back, back to my other question about you know well we know the cars sell and then and high things sell but uh, you know I know this was also an age especially in the seventies but going into the eighties as well 
real sexual liberation and oh, yeah. and so I imagine that there was especially stations that were kind of on the edge musically anyway would would want to tie into that. Did that ever? No, no, you don't. You didn't. We're was that a line by nobody an crossed? Agency of the federal government called the Federal Communications Commission, and at that time, if you had enough complaints, there was an immediate. Let's say we'll start with ten thousand uh, dollars, then it goes up from there. So you had to be very careful. Okay, so you you didn't have promotions that involved bikinis or anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. We had one constantly. Uh, uh, Richard and I worked at the station. Well, the owner of the station would do a live broadcast, and, and this is the se- early 70s. He would give a silver dollar to anybody, any female that showed up in a bikini. Okay. Can't do that now. That's, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. This is pre-Me Too movement right, stuff. exactly. And we gave away hundreds of silver dollars. There was a girl that does our cleaning here who was one of those bikini dancers right? back in the day. Uh, and, of course, if you're a guy, I want to see this. <laughs> Here's another <laughs> silver dollar. That's why they have ladies' nights. That's the guys right. show up where the ladies That's are. right. Different world now. Ladies' yeah. lock <laughs> As the only person sitting at this in this group who actually has been fined by the FCC, yeah. uh, <laughs> this story has nothing to do with that. We did something sort of like that in Cleveland at a, a gentleman's club. Ah. Uh. Uh, with a promotion called Rock Hard Wednesdays. Oh, um, would never happen these which days. For, and for 12 Wednesdays in a row, I would host what was basically an amateur strip contest. On the air? Uh, we did call-ins. It wasn't all live on the air. What uh, place did you come in? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got great legs, man. I want every man. <laughs> you Joe Namath. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was. I would do call-ins from the event, but no, it was not. The entire thing was not live on the air, though. I but, did. But what, what were you describing? I mean, tell, tell me about you're you're there at the club and and, and what we talk about to the uh, audience. Uh, Sue is a, a medical student at uh, Cleveland State University, and whoa, she <laughs> proud of it. Uh, though we actually would have dancers from the club in the studio, for va- we use them for various promotional. Um, I bet purposes um we did a uh, a naughty maids giveaway one day where uh, the winner had three of the strippers come to their house and and clean the house for them um so what what was it that got you fined it was uh it was an appearance by one of the guys from jackass uh the tv show oh, okay. on the show and it was stuff that was said i see okay um, so nothing connected to, to any it, of that stuff no, no, it, it wasn't anything. Uh, the one that I'm surprised with. That, that, that show courts that kind of thing. Well, yeah, so, yeah. So you had and, to kind of and, your... But it was a rock station, and we were a, a fairly much of a shock station. Obviously, as we've talked about, things are different now. You have to promote this station because it's a much different market environment, and uh, it's a much different media market, and you've got tons of competition, not just from other stations, uh, but from satellite radio and from the internet and all these other things, given that you have constraints now, how do you go about uh, promoting the station and getting the word out that you're here and that you're on the dial? Visibility, being a part of the community. Uh, I heard an example yesterday. They did a traffic report on this station. It's something you don't hear everywhere now. And this lady called how much she appreciated that. Uh, going around a wreck on Highway 52. Uh, I, th- I think the involvement with the station, when you say something, you're telling a story to an individual, and they are, th- you're their friend. Though 
that's coming back, I think. I think it's coming back. It's making it personal to the yeah, listener. Make it personal. Yeah, and you, you have to make it personal. You have to. We're doing something at WTOB that very few stations are doing anymore. It's called live disc jockeys. It doesn't exist anymore. It's a thing That's of the right. past. Even stations that sound like they're live, this guy could be in, you know, Timbuktu doing do 12 radio stations. So you or it could be voice tracking, they call voice tracking. And you say, well, it's the music. They're listening for the music. Well, they could get that anywhere. They can make their own music. They could build their own playlist. Uh, so you got to give them a reason to listen to you. And... We've done all the promotions. We've done, there are stations, uh, uh, like Bob says, that do as outrageous a thing as they can, and you're afraid you'll miss something. And people may say, I hate those guys. They're awful. You should have heard what they said three weeks ago. And <laughs> so the. I've had that happen to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that's, that's a thing. I mean, you can do it. The problem is selling that to a responsible sponsor. Um, Sometimes it may hurt your credibility, but you, you're number one. Well, and the outrageous stuff, you can get it on YouTube. Yeah. you got yeah. you got people doing that for free now. Yeah. So it's one reason you don't see a lot of stunts on, on any sort of mass media anymore because it's too easy to do it uh, somewhere else. So you have to concentrate on the content of whatever your format is. Um, and, of course, it's not just a radio station anymore. It's a multi-platform media content. You're a content generator, and as the president of CBS Radio said 10 years ago, content is king and will remain king. It still is. Uh, Relatable content. Yeah. And, and I want to mention one thing that we did at the old Magic 94.1 uh, because it was a stunt that was for a good cause. And I think you were there then, Steve, yeah. when Wendy and I were doing the morning show. Uh a local police officer was killed in the line of duty. You may remember Sergeant Howard Pluff. Yes. Yeah. And that was the uh, shooting outside uh, the red red, red outside red the red rooster. Oh, no, no, yeah, that's right. The red, red rooster. Um, that was a which friend of mine out, outside of Bojangles too. Yeah. Uh, uh, off of uh, Jonestown yeah. Road. That yeah. yeah. But Mickey yeah, Hodges, red rooster right. was Sergeant Pluff. We went on the air the week after after his shooting and did a radiothon. My morning show partner and I. We wanted to raise $100,000. And this is before GoFundMe and any yeah, of these Yeah, before were that, we went. Um, it's now the YMCA on Robin Hood Road. It was a different, uh, it was a different uh, health club then. We broadcast there. Um, peak health club, maybe? Peak, peak fitness, it used to peak be. Peak fitness, okay. And we broadcast nonstop for, it took us 30 hours, and we ended up raising $125,000 for his family. Wow. Uh, and it was, uh, it was brutal because we were live the whole time, and we, we had... Um, the president of the Police Benevolent Association was there. Uh, Sergeant, she's retired now. Oh, my gosh, I can't remember her name. I love her. Um, we had three, uh, like, beach chairs, lounge chairs that we, we would sit in overnight with microphones in our hands. And we had police officers come in there nonstop the entire time. And, of course, the, the city where the mayor came, it was, it was a wonderful event. It was a huge stunt. And, and it was a stunt. But it wasn't one of these other stunts to give away a car. It was a stunt. It was a stunt that really benefited a family. Bob, don't you think that? And we we've forgotten that. That's 
what's relating to the people now. Because we're doing these events for charity constantly, and it seems that people are relating to, to that kind of promotion more now because it is part of their community, and we're trying to do something to help. And, and good to say that we're getting a lot of support for certain events like that. If by, Like Bob says, it's well thought out. Is content involved? You see a good cause. You're going to come help us do something that uh, means something. But is there a part of you that misses the crazy times uh, that's sitting in a car uh, suspended hey, by the highway? Go to lunch with these guys. They're not gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's just on our own time now. I just got this photo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just received a photo from uh, a friend of a mutual friend of ours. It's from the WRQK days in the early '80s. Myself, Willie, Wes. Uh, Jim Crisula, Gary Von Cannon from Charlotte. Yeah, Gary Cannon, who was Boomer. Uh, we we played softball for benefits. Yeah, okay. And we'd do stupid things like play the police department. <laughs> I think the worst thing, we had a basketball team, and we played Industries for the Blind. <laughs> they, they drew blood. I've never been beat up so much. They were fantastic. They're shooting from half. I don't know. I don't know. This guy comes on. He's got these thick glasses. I, you can't see out. And he's hitting half court shots. Anybody ever played donkey basketball? Donkey basketball. <laughs> see? I, I remember helping us when yeah. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't a, a much of a baseball player, but what I did was I just pulled a, a sneak and did a bunt and made it around the bases doing a bunt. Yeah. Both yeah. times. Both times. Yeah. That I've Donkey played. basketball was wonderful. And after the first round, I said, I'll clean up after everybody rather than get on one. Parting thoughts, y'all. What do you think, what do you want people to know if you were to tell one thing about how it used to be and what y'all were trying to do? What would be your message to people? Go Don't ahead, everybody speak, speak at once. Um, it, radio is fun. It's relatable, and everybody can take part in it, just one person at a time. Even if you're talking to 10,000 people, you're just talking to one person, and it gets to them. And it gets to us because we still want to do this. You know, those days aren't coming back. The world has changed, uh, and it's going to change again. It's, it's changing faster than, than we can imagine. But uh, the 70s, 80s. I'm, I'm way too young to have been a, there in the 70s, Willie. Uh, but, <laughs> I got shoes uh, older than you, Bob. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. At times, it was magical. Uh, everybody had a great time doing it. Not everybody survived it. But uh, it was uh, a golden age for the broadcast medium uh, radio. And, uh, and, man, it was a good time. It was part of the community. Uh, the radio, everybody listened. Uh, at, at one time, the station here, had, had, I had a 52 percentile rating. The only people that, that had more, almost as much as I did, was a police radio. And that was my biggest competition. And so you did something, everybody would say, I heard what you did. And yet we had to listen to what they were doing. You had to be perceptive. You had to relate to your audience. And I think that's to some extent coming back in a different way rather than extreme entertainment we're trying to relate to the to the listener more now in, in different ways something meaningful to them that they can be, be a part of i i think radio is it's had its downswing i think it's come back a lot i think talk radio helped to bring 
radio back, and now it is we've we've brought it a step further, uh, bringing it back like kind of like it used to be, almost like it was, and we're I think we are at WTOB about as close as any station, bringing it back like you you started out in Willie back in the because nobody remembers that. Oh, I remember. <laughs> wow, Willie Edwards. We have pictures. We have evidence on the wall. Well, and over Willie. the course of the years, how many times has a new technology come in? Television, it's going to kill radio. Yep. Oh, cassettes, oh, yeah. it's going to kill the internet. It's gonna... we're still here. Well, you know that reminds me. There's a friend of mine who is no longer with us. He passed away a few months ago. His father and uncle. An aunt started WAIR Radio back in 1937. They owned it till about 1950, and his father and uncle got scared. When television came in, they said, that's the end of radio. And he realized after they sold it five years later, radio was going to be bigger than ever, but they sold out too, too, too quick because they thought television was going to kill it. It was going to kill the radio star. Well, gentlemen, and to Leanne Petty, I had to step out uh, earlier. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. And Thank as you. God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. I thought Steve Finnegan could fly. <laughs> You've been listening to Twin City Talks, powered by Ortho Carolina. For links to all episodes, our blog, and more, visit TwinCityTalks.com.